for me, a business was like people, employees and customers. Now I think I'm going to go back to my other business model. But so I said, you know what, restaurants. And, and I think they say uh, friends don't let friends get into restaurants. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm stopping. I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. So I, I don't care. I want to buy one. Right? I want to get one. And um, I was just trying to start one on my own. And it was difficult, you know, no background, no experience, no money, no, no loans. Eventually, I learned that it's easier to buy an existing one than start one from scratch. We know that building wealth comes from owning businesses and making investments. Yet why still do nearly half of businesses fail in the first five years? And why do others lose it all in their investments? Welcome to the Wealth Watchers podcast, your resource for building a massive net worth We bring real stories from real people who are experts in business and investing, who will share secrets and actionable strategies to amassing wealth and achieving success. Brought to you by Happy Camper Capital. And now, your hosts, Justin Hoggett and Adam Lendy. Welcome back to the Wealth Watchers Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy. With me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Hoggett. Justin, what's up, man? Hey, not much. You know, it's been a little bit since we've done one of these. It seems like we've been a little busy. Got a couple more deals on the work right now and uh, excited about the stars in full swing. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Feels good to be back in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> I know dusting stuff off over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, in the mix, going camping this weekend. It's fun. Oh, man. It's, it, it's camping season. Nice weather. Great time to get outside. All right, man. Uh, where are you guys going camping? Uh, near Leadville. So up high where the temperatures are cooler. Yeah, it sounds nice when we're going to be over 90 degrees here in the Denver area. So awesome, man. Well, uh, hey, look, at I slipped in a weather reference. We haven't done that in a while. <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring on our guest today. Um, our guest is a mechanical engineer turned restaurateur, uh, Gerardo Vargas. Gerardo, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Adam. And uh, Justin. Yeah. Thanks for being on today. Thanks for joining us. Where are you joining us from? Houston, Texas. Okay. Beautiful. But because we're going to go with the weather theme, how's it down there today? 105. Hot and humid. Yeah. You take a shower in the morning and you're sweating as soon as you get into park him to drive i mean it's just hot and humid all the time and sweaty so it's yeah it sounds good to go camping up north it's not that cold, not hot that's right <laughs> yeah you have to get you have to get out of that so that sounds miserable right now but looks like you're in a nice air-conditioned house so let's jump in um obviously before we get to what you you know what, what you're going to tell us today obviously we want to know the man behind the story so maybe you can indulge us with a little bit of your background you know, kind of the path you took, obviously, you know, mechanical engineer to restaurateur. I mean, that's, that's certainly an, a different journey than I think most take. So um, if you could, please let us know a little bit about who you are and why did you do what you do? Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess I'm going to, I'll go a little bit further back and then I'll go to the point. So, I mean, I, I was actually born, born and raised in Mexico and uh, I moved to the U.S. when I was 19. I spoke like zero English, didn't know nothing about it. I went to Tucson, Arizona. Then I uh, decided to go to college and I uh, went to University of Texas, El Paso and uh, got a bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering and worked a little bit for uh, Chrysler in Michigan, Honda in Ohio. But I wanted to have my own business. I want to wanna just be independent. I didn't come from a rich family. It wasn't like, hey, dad, mom, give me some money or get a loan. You know, I was like, hey, I got I to gotta build my way through it. 
And initially, when I came to the U.S. as an international student, I mean, you don't even get financial aid. So forget about, you know, getting loans or stuff like that. So I said, okay, what do I need? And I wanted to be in a city with people, more, more customers and money. Say, you know what? Oil and gas. Oil and gas. So I, I applied in Houston. Finally, after a bunch of rejections, got a job with BP on gas. And I used to work in the oil rigs, you know, like the, what, the guys that travel in a chopper, in a helicopter, stay a couple of weeks offshore and uh, come back home. And, so, and I was just maybe starting with real estate and that. And, and eventually I said, you know what? I was in real estate, but I didn't feel like, that was a business. I mean, I, I mean, don't judge me. I was 31 years old. And like I needed for me, a business was like people you know, having employees and customers. Now I think I'm going to go back to my other business model. But so I said, you know what? Restaurants. And, and I think they say uh, friends don't let friends get into restaurants. But I, I mean, I, I'm stubborn. I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. So I, I don't care. I want to buy one. Right? I want to get one. And um, I was just trying to start one on my own. And it was difficult, you know, no background, no experience, no money, no, no loans. Eventually, I learned that it's easier to buy an existing one than start one from scratch. And it's way cheaper, too. I mean, cheaper, easier. There's a right and a wrong, wrong way to do it. I think I've done lots of wrongs, a few rights, and I learned a lot, a lot along the way. And uh, when I was closing on my restaurant, I got laid off from oil and gas. Got a second oil and gas job, got laid off again. I told my wife, hey, why don't we just focus on this and figure out what happens? We were pregnant and she was pregnant with our first daughter. So we were struggling with insurance, you know, and like you gotta get the Cobra insurance and pay for the bills. I think I, we were paying like a thousand dollars a month on the insurance that you can keep for doctor. Well, long story short, that was 2015. And I'm here now, so I said, you know, I think I wanted to sell the restaurant like Every, every, every month or every 30 days, you know, it's, it's a difficult business, it's a difficult industry. And seven years later, I'm still here, you know, after COVID, after everything else. And uh, we're still here. So anyway, so that's how we have a, a, it's a, it's a restaurant franchise. It's a Chloskis, Cinnabon. Most people know Cinnabon from the airport. Yeah. Uh, but Chloskis and Cinnabon, they are sister franchises. And the franchise from those that don't know it, it's from Austin, Texas, 1971. It's a, it's, you, you can think about a little bit on upscale Subway, put it like that. We have our, our own bakery, so we bake our buns, bread, uh, pizza crust, so we do sandwiches, pizzas, salads, um, soups, and uh, we do everything in-house. And it's only about less than 300 locations in the country. So we have the Shilowski's and Cinnabon here in Houston. So we had it for, for seven years. Yeah, I think we may have a, a one or two Shilowski's in Denver. I'm familiar with them. You uh, do? Okay. Yeah, very, very, very few and far between. You mentioned 300, so that would make sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah well, I, I'm interested to know, obviously, you mentioned you, you were starting your own and then ultimately decided to buy one existing. Would you learn from that experience? So unless you come from a background with lots of experience in restaurants or business or wealthy family, you know, yeah, go and build a new one from scratch and do whatever you want. But if you don't fall under that category, what I've learned, this is my experience, right? It's, okay, restaurants are very expensive to build from the equipment to the location to everything. And when they go out of business, which is like, I don't know if you can, I don't know the statistics, but I think it's one of the, they have like the highest failure rate. Uh, also because are the ones that they, most people open. Oh, everyone thinks people are always going to eat. I'm going to open a restaurant. 
I'm like, why don't you sell toilet paper too? I mean, people always gonna use, go to the bathroom, right? I mean, just just sell toilet paper. It doesn't work like that. So, and when they go out of business, there's you can you can just Google it. There's lots of uh foreclosed equipment for runs. I mean, they go for for pennies on the dollar, like super cheap. So when you you're starting a rush, you have a idea of a rush. My suggestion, what I've learned is like, get something existing, even if it's not a hundred percent of what you want to do. I mean, just close to it. Eventually, don't worry about it. Eventually, you can either change it to what you want to do, right? Maybe you want to sell tacos and this one sells hamburgers. I mean, that's okay. I mean, food is food. Just get, learn the business. Because having a business that is already running, a restaurant in this case, even if it's not making you millions of dollars, as long as it's, even if it's breaking even, okay? It allows your creativity to to uh to work because now you go every you go Monday to work and you get this restaurant and it's paying the bills it's paying the employees it's paying the electricity it's paying the rent you know maybe it's not perfect it's not idea but it's okay so learn it work in it if you can maybe if you want eventually add your tackles or change it or who knows you might sell it you know you stay to it and you you decide it like the food industry but at least maybe you spend only $200,000, which is, I mean, I pay for my restaurant 330. I mean, you can pay half a million, you can pay whatever you want. Uh, uh, and then you sell it and start your own. Now you know how to do it. You have the experience, you can get a business, you can do a bunch of stuff differently. Or that exact same restaurant, you can just start changing it little by little. Unless it's a, it's a franchise like mine, I mean, you cannot change it. But it's, it's way cheaper. Like my restaurant, I bought it for 230. Honestly, I overpaid. That's another lesson. Get on, get a business broker. Get an appraisal, and and get a third party. Spend an extra thousand dollars. I mean, if you're gonna do an investment for uh, three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, get a business uh, uh, appraiser. Just like in real estate, and and the thing about it is like, I mean, I'm sure you guys know this, but in businesses, businesses, they appraise by cash flow differently from real estate. I don't real estate. I'm a realtor. And I flip houses. So on real estate, it's like what you put in the business in the house, uh, uh, our team flooring, you put uh, nice court, corner tops, all those things. But in businesses, honestly, it doesn't matter. You can have the fanciest restaurant and honestly, it applies to any business. You can have a boxing club, you can have a, a nail salon, doesn't matter. You can have the fanciest location ever, but if your cash flow is negative, I mean, that's what it's worth. And you can, you can go back to a, a buyer Hey, I showed you my, 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 my restaurant. I, I, it cost me half a million to build it. I'm like, oh, what is your cash flow? Well, I mean, we're breaking even. I mean, no, I want half a million for my business. I'm sorry, man. It, it's not, it, that's one of the, it's, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's like, I mean, I'm sorry, you, you spend half a million in it or over a million and you end up selling it for a hundred thousand, right? Because, well, how about the equipment? I'm sorry, that equipment, if you go out of business tomorrow, it's gonna go sell for like cents on the dollar. I mean, it's it's not. Well, I pay fifty thousand for the oven. I mean, I can get it used for five thousand, you know, off the market. So when you buy an existing business, an existing restaurant, uh, uh, make sure you get an appraisal. An appraisal make uh, help you evaluate this. It's saving lots of money, lots of headaches. Another thing, if you start a business from scratch, you're happy camper. You paint the colors, the, the color you want. Everything looks the you want it okay you want to focus on your business but you gotta pay the bills 
right? And, and you go, well, I'm not getting any sales. No one knows me. And I got to pay the, the kitchen staff and I got to pay the bills. And, and like you, you're not able to focus on, on what you want, you wanted to work on because you, you're so worried about bills. But when you have this existing restaurant paying the bills, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm relaxed. I'm not making lots of money, you know, but I'm paying the bills. I can work little by little and learn it. And you can say, oh man, the previous owner was doing it all wrong. It's okay. I mean, you can fix it later, but you're paying the bills. So that's the thing. You save a lot of money, a lot of headaches, and it's an easier way to get to uh, exit. You know, you pay 200000 As long as you don't send it, you know, you don't, you don't make a, a, a worse job than the previous owner, you're like, you know what? We're still having the same cash flow than when I bought it. I'm going to sell it for 200000 You take the money out. You get the experience. You get your resume. And you're out. But yeah, that's the thing with the business. You can have, personally, a taco shop. You spend $10,000 on like a, a taco truck. Very cheap truck. You know, but you can sell it for half a million. That's the other thing. Why? Because of the cash flow, because of the name brand. People know all these things. So the thing that people don't worry about the location, don't worry about you put in it, worry about the cash flow. Make good sales, um, make good sales, good profits, keep all the numbers. And if you intend to sell it, if you have an exit strategy in your mind already, uh, report the sales. That's another mistake. I'm sorry, I don't want to go over a bunch of tangents, but. That was, uh, it's so many learnings, man. It's like so many, I've been doing it for seven years and I apply my engineering mindset. I'll be honest for anyone uh, listening. It's like for you guys, like people are like, oh, are you making more money, man? And like, uh, it's like, no, honestly, I've been doing it seven years and I haven't been able to make as much money as I was making as an engineer in all and gas yet, you know? So if I would have jumped in for the money, I would have done something else. I would have had like 10 already. I mean, no, I mean, uh, I got a family and everything and and I do sometimes miss the benefits and the paycheck, but I, I say, oh, you, you get to make your own schedule. I mean, yeah, you get to make, you get to choose whatever, a hundred hours a week you want to work. You know, you want to work, <laughs> you know, so, you, so it's like entrepreneurship is so freaking hard. I mean, it's difficult. Uh, well, at least it's been for me. I don't want to say everybody, but it's, for me, it's been hard. But I learned a lot. I enjoy it. You got to be like a mindset of enjoying the pain. So somehow something weird on me. Sure. Uh, I've done two Ironman, two Ironman triathlons. And my wife's like, like, how do you, I mean, like, were you hurting? Yeah, the whole freaking time. And like, I was hurting. I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's just kind of being uh, towards the pain. But yeah, yeah. So that, that's uh, one of the learnings. So if you get an existing one, it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be easier to get out. Uh, and also, um, uh, you don't have to worry about bills because they're being covered by the existing cash flow. Right. Well, that's a lot of good information, and and we totally resonate on the way businesses are valued. We're, we we buy businesses ourselves, you know, on a capitalized approach. So, you know, we're we're very much familiar with you know people having low or negative cash flow and wondering why they can't sell their business for what it's worth. I mean, I, I could write a book on the topic on, on on why you shouldn't kill your business value by stealing from it, but um, that's that's for another day. Um, also, have a little background, you know, not necessarily in restaurants, but I used to work in construction, working around restaurants, yeah. and I'll tell you what I saw as many of those uh, closed as I saw open. Uh, you know, I know it's a it's a tough business to be in. Um, I appreciated your line about. Um, you know, get the experience either in an existing one or, you know, working in one before you open your own. So that brings me to my next question. Now, of course, now you, you, you tempted your own, you had, you, you struggled with that. You bought an existing business, a franchise, which is a great way to get started. You know um, what, what's your future look like? I think for the moment and, and, and um, 
it's it's something different and it's, and it's not restaurants um obviously they're difficult they're hard uh nowadays with inflation food costs payroll i mean people want to get uh I, I i can't wait for this company i think it's missile electronics they're building like robots and and um, machine like restaurants uh my band of, of uh uh was it ghost kitchens i used to open one in my restaurant a virtual kitchen so you can start increasing your margins without needing big locations but uh to go back to show, i'm going my goal is to maybe try something different they say was it albert einstein insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results i i i, I know a way to make it more profitable and successful the restaurant industry but uh, as i was sharing with you guys earlier i have a six-year-old i have a three-year-old and we just had twins uh, they're six six weeks old and we're doing homeschooling my wife is doing homeschooling so I want to spend more time with my family and my wife and we want to travel. We want to be one of those like nomad families that you're just, just traveling. And I want to teach my girls and my, my kids uh, uh, a little bit about the world, you know, like the struggling, go to Guatemala, maybe go to mission, missions, all these things. And, and the business of, of, of the restaurants doesn't feed my goals. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with goals and you set up your goals. And, and then when you set up a goal, you got to create the tools for it, right? So if your goal is to run a marathon, uh, while you're riding your bike every day, you know, like, yeah, it helps you, but you go run, your tennis shoes and go run. It's one mile every day, two miles. And since my goal is to work remotely and, and be with my family and travel and everything. So like, yeah, I want to move into brokers using everything I've learned in a restaurant, right? About P&Ls, uh, balance sheets, uh, employees, food cost, I mean, not food cost, but operations cost, everything. But now working with, with brokers. And avoiding all the mistakes that I make, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about appraisals, and I'm trying to appraise these online businesses and e-commerce stores and content stores and software as a service, right? So this way I can just move to that. So my future, uh, and I don't know, who knows? Maybe down the road, a few years later, I might go back to restaurants because I mean, seven years of working 100-hour weeks, it's lots of knowledge. I mean, and I can eventually come back and do something different, either travel, and I have a bunch of ideas that I can apply today and I've been applying today. I just like okay, with the kids and the family, I just don't have time. So I want to pause it. My goal is to pause uh, the restaurant world for, for a little bit and, and jump into something different, something more uh, freedom, right? And who knows, maybe go, go back to it in the future. I'd like to touch on the Slotsky's franchise and uh, what do you think the value is with the franchise? And would you suggest that moving forward? Uh, you know, you can stick to the uh, restaurant business, but uh, what what benefits are there? And you know, you're talking a lot about what you learned along the way with that. Um, would you do it again? I would say so. Uh, I, I uh, complain every single day of of. I'm not, no, I'm just kidding. Not every day. Every now and then, when I hire and pissed off, and I, I complain about the franchise and the restaurant and all the employees and all these things, right? Uh, uh, I was telling you, like kicking homeless out of the bathroom, and I've, I've done everything. You know, I'm not. The owner that just is at home, just collecting the money is like, I literally, I, I've, I've replaced a toilet. I don't, I don't want to digress too much, but one time a homeless lady got into the toilet and, and, and they go to the, and we're in a nice area, by the way, in Houston, we're by the Galleria. So it's like nice area, but every now and then you'll get people, different people. And 99% of our clientele are good people, but you got to deal with also the bad people. And this homeless lady went to the bathroom 
She didn't want to want to get out and she dumped all the makeup kit into the toilet. Long story short, I had to pull the entire toilet out myself to unclog it. But anyways, uh, the franchise, I would do it again, even though I complained so much about it, especially I didn't have any business. I came from an engineering background, engineering, not a business owner. So I didn't know anything about businesses and I didn't know anything about restaurants. So they saved me the learning curve significantly. So I always tell people, if a business, including a franchise, has been in business for more than five, 10 years, there's something good from it. I mean, even though they're not perfect again, they've survived. I mean, not everyone survives. This company has been in business for like, what, since 1971, like 50 years? So you can, I can tell, I can tell all the things that they're doing wrong, but they're still in business. You know, that's a 50-year-old company. Even though they're not as big as Subway or McDonald's, that's okay. They're still in business after 50 years. Um, and I don't, I got to put, or we got to put the ego away. And I'll be, you know, I'm not, I don't have 50 years of experience. So I, I jump into it. They take, uh, might get 10% royalties, which is in restaurants, a lot of money because your margins are tight. Uh, you don't get rich with one location of a franchise. So what I've seen people doing, this is what the ways you can do it. Option one, option A is like you get a franchise, especially if you have no background, right? And, and uh, even if you don't have the, free, the freedom of do everything you want, doing everything you want to do, but that's okay. Get the franchise, learn the systems, learn what they do, what they do, how they do it. Absorb all of that. I mean, is you getting an MBA really quickly? And then eventually, if you want to either open more franchises of the same brand or keep it and sell it and open your own restaurant. But I mean, trust me, you'll, I mean, you'll save a lot of time and a lot of money by learning all their tools and systems. So you can think about it uh, as like uh, you're paying for this high-paced MBA. So you're paying the royalties, but they're teaching you 50 years of success and failures and everything in, in a nutshell pretty quickly, right? And eventually you might even open your, your own restaurant or any other business. Honestly, I feel capable with everything I learned to open any kind of business. I mean, I can go and uh, even though I'm not an expert in everything, but it's like, you learn the basics. So you can go to the gym and look at the P&Ls, right? You can go to a hair salon, a nail salon, and say, look at the numbers and then why you're doing what you're doing and how you're doing it. And eventually you might even franchise your own business. To answer your question, I would say my experience is yes, because they save you the learning curve significantly. And, and, I, I, and I know franchisees that, not, they, I know, I know two, two kinds of franchisees. One, that they own different locations of the same brand, and two, they own different kinds of franchises. I know a franchisee that owns a Shoskis, a Holiday Inn, and then another one owns like a, a I think Einstein Bros Bagels. You know, so all of them are franchises, but different brands. And 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 one last thing, most franchises they have like sister franchises within the same umbrella. In my case, in my case, I don't know if you guys heard of like. Moe's Grill, which is like a, like a burrito, uh, Auntie Pretzel, Carbo Ice Cream, Chlosky's, and Cinnabon, they all are under the same umbrella, which is Focus Brands. So Focus Brands own like these five, six different franchises. So let's say you might want to have the Cinnabon, but you want to have Carbo Ice Cream. Well, I mean, they know you for the past five years. You can just tell them, I want to open another one, but not a Chlosky's. I want to open a uh, Carbo Ice Cream. At the airport cool go for it you have the connections they know you and all those things 
So um, I think they are positive. And, they are, and the last thing positive of, of, of Frank is that since they mostly take off training, operations, the menu, the marketing, you can literally focus, again, just in the operations of the business. That's it. They give you the manual, they give you the marketing, the Facebook, the ads. Imagine starting a restaurant from scratch with no experience and working about how do I train my employees and how do I keep the menu and how do I go to Facebook ads and how do I do uh, Google, how do I do Instagram? I mean, I don't think there's one person that can handle all of that. So you're going to be subcontracting people to do those things who so might as well just pay a franchise store, a franchise store to do all of that for you right? while you learn the business. Yep. I, and, and you could take the restaurant industry out of that and insert any industry and that's applicable. I mean, it doesn't matter the business you're getting into. There's something to say about mentorship systems and tools. Um, you know, I mean, I, I can really, as you're telling me this, I'm hearing when I got into real estate brokerage years ago about, you know, the same thing, people get in and try to start their own business and uh, most of them don't make it right. And the ones who actually went and joined a group that had the models and systems, they succeeded. So, um, it's great. And, all, and, and obviously franchise is a great way to get in. Now you mentioned, of course, you bought your business in excess of $300,000. So for somebody who's getting started, you know, that might seem insurmountable, but I'm guessing that probably wasn't $300,000 directly out of pocket. No, of course not. No way. No way. Yeah. How, how did you make that happen? So I got a loan. I got a SBA loan, SBA 7A. That was another learning tool. Um, uh, it's, they have like this variable interest rate. So if you buy a business, if you can buy the real estate, it's even better. And you guys know this for sure. But and sometimes the real estate is more expensive than the business itself. In my case, the real estate was not an option. Um, and it's like the real estate is like five times more expensive than the business in, in this case. But uh, when you buy the real estate, you can get a longer term loan, like I think 15 to 20 years. Uh, so I didn't have the real estate, it was like just 10 years. So I got a SBA loan. And the down payment, I got it from my, my uh, package. I got laid off from oil and gas, right? And let me go back two steps. My wife and I, we're always going to be entrepreneurs. So we, we kept a humble life. Even though I had a nice paycheck from oil and gas, uh, my, my first home, it was a duplex. So I bought it, my wife and I, we bought a duplex. And, I, and obviously, you're having your wife, your partner, your husband in line with your goals, that also helps a lot. So she's like, she wasn't looking for like the, hey, let's have a nice house and 3,000 square foot home. Like, hey, we just, let's, we don't know what we're going to do or when we're going to do it. Or we just want to be entrepreneur. Okay, cool. Let's do it. So we went a duplex. So we were living one side and, and the other one, we were leasing it to a tenant. So our expenses were very low. So we were saving. I mean, it wasn't an overnight. It wasn't like, I just got the down payment from my restaurant overnight. I mean, I worked five years. I worked five to five, six years. Oh, and gas. And I, at this time, I, I had already flipped like two houses. So, I mean, I was doing a little bit of real estate, saving money. Today, I still drive a 2012 Toyota Jarrett with 160,000 miles. You know, uh, our cars, the vehicles that we had, as, as soon as I get laid off, we eliminated all debt. We pay, paid off our cars. I mean, I have a 2010 Altima, Nissan Altima. My employees in the restaurant drive better cars than I do. Um, a 2012 Toyota Jazz. And I gotta say, I did have to buy a Kia Sedona for the twins and we just didn't fit on the set. But I mean, I was going to buy an Expedition or a uh, GMC Sierra or Yukon or whatever. Like, I mean, I bought, I bought, I bought an unattractive uh, minivan. So, but it's cool, it's comfy by the way, it's very comfy. Um, 
So yeah, I started saving. I worked for oil and gas for five years. I was saving. I was doing a little bit of real estate, lots of stakes in there as well. I had a duplex. My out of pocket on my mortgage was like 600 bucks, you know, because my tenant was paying lots of a mortgage, uh, not fancy vehicle, not credit cards, no nothing. And so when I got laid off, I got some savings. And then on top of that, the company gave me some money, like when the, the severance package. So that's how we use uh, and use as a down payment. I think I get like 10 or 20% down and as, towards the business. And that's how we bought it. So we got an SBA 7A loan. By the way, before the restaurant, uh, I looked for like 10 other restaurants and I got rejected on all of them, obviously. That's why I don't have them. But uh, yeah, it wasn't like the first one. I had a restaurant and either I didn't qualify or the seller didn't want to sell to me or the SBA didn't qualify the business. So it went to a bunch of businesses until I went to this one, um, finally. Mm -hmm. uh, now, knowing what you know, if you were to go back and give your younger self, you know, seven years ago, the advice on, on doing it again, what would you do different? Or what would you suggest for somebody getting into it? Patience, man. Patience, man. Patience, patience. I, I'm, I'm way, way too... I don't know if that's a positive or negative in, in entrepreneurship. It's like entrepreneurs, they jump off the cliff and build the the plane on the way down, which is a, a, a good metaphor, but uh, I'm just too stubborn and too impatient. If I would have, if I would have, I don't know, man. It's because like, you think back, right? And you think of all the mistakes you made, but all those things got you to a learning, to a different learning, right? So I'm always thinking, oh, you would have, you're not, not bought a restaurant or would have you bought it differently or would have you offered different? I said, yeah, there's a bunch of things I would have done differently, man, uh, and, um, a bunch of things. But I think that all those mistakes that I made is like the restaurant doesn't really make us money because I got this big fat SBA loan. I overpaid for it. So if I answer your question, I'll say get an, uh, get an, an, an appraiser so they can give you a legit appraisal. I bought it directly to the owner. Get a business broker, you know, but still get a business broker. Get a business broker, get an appraisal. Uh, make don't feel afraid of of offer. I, I I literally pay what he wanted it, you know, because I wanted a business now. And like I said, I don't. I I was tired of looking for businesses, and I had like five, ten different restaurants, and I saw this one. And SBA said, oh, the guy didn't even have tax returns, right? And usually the SBA when they tell them like that doesn't happen. Yes, he happens. I was one of them. We I I told SBA you qualified, and I I used to point fingers. It was the bit, uh, I would tell my wife and I would be like, oh, the SBA, their mistake. Why did they let, it's like, it sounds so dumb. Like, why did they let me buy it? They should have stopped it. And my wife was like, no, you knew a bunch of stuff was wrong with the business. But you wanted to be a business. You, want, you were tired of businesses and jump into it. Now, get an appraisal, get an appraiser, get a business broker, offer what you think is worth, not what they wanted for one for business. Uh, maybe those are the things I would have done differently but if I would have done all of that maybe I would have not been struggling as much as I've been struggling right now and if I would have not been struggling as I've been struggling right now I would have not jumped into real estate into the other things that I'm doing into the online business because I would have been comfortable I would have been comfortable like yeah, make this money I'm happy why do I need to say something else why do I need to look for more opportunities if I'm doing okay here if I'm not, since I'm not doing okay, I'm looking for, hey, what's my plan B, plan C, plan D, you know, I need something else. 
Now, real quick, uh, jumping into the COVID uh, last two years, of course, I think that's been hard on all businesses, but maybe even more particularly restaurants. Uh, you've probably had to be a little bit creative or has Schlossky helped you with the efficiencies uh, with hiring, uh, with, with some of the problems that have revolved around that business? Yes, man, that, that's just one thing. We, before COVID, we actually had a Houston Hurricane Harvey and we, we had a, I mean, all the streets were flooded big time. And we were, I was able to get to the restaurant one day and we think we opened and we had like a long line because no one prepared for it. And then we had COVID and then we had like a, last year, uh, the freeze. So we spent seven days without power. So all my food, actually we were under 32 degrees, which is we in Houston. I brought all the product and put it in my backyard, but we lost power, so I lost money. Uh, a month ago, a guy stole my safe, working in the whole safe. I mean, I can tell you a bunch of stories, but going back to COVID, going back to COVID, Yes, it was very difficult. Thankfully, uh, we were able to stay open to go. That's number one. That helped a little bit. We, st we, were, we stayed open to go, just to go. Uh, and then we did like half a shift and just limited staff. Some employees had to go. Um, I mean, they just, I didn't have enough hours. I tried to keep the, the ones employed as much as I could so they don't lose their money, their job, their families. So mostly to go. Uh, the tablets started helping a little, like Uber, DoorDash, Postmates. That's when I came up with this virtual kitchen so I can make more money uh, out of the same location with a different, different cuisine, a ghost kitchen, virtual kitchen. But I'll be honest, the, the thing that helped us a lot, I mean, was eventually the government help, the loans, and, and they were supporting businesses and, and specifically restaurants. And we had everything in order because they were asking you, hey, tag, I mean, support, support your sales and everything with tax returns. Some businesses were like a year old. That's why they couldn't make it. Some businesses were fake. Some people were just reporting sales, I mean, losses, a bunch of things, right? So, I mean, we had legit tax returns. I had a legit payroll number. I had legit everything. So I applied to all of that. And every time they say, oh, we have an increase. Do you want to apply? Yeah. I mean, I have, I owe that right now, right? But I'm putting it to work in different things, whereas as a business owner, I couldn't even qualify for a mortgage loan. Now with all this help from the government and everyone telling me like, man, you're so lucky, man, that you got all the money from the government and all these loans and assistance. I'm like, of course, I'm so lucky. You know, why don't you work six years on a restaurant, a hundred hours a week, barely making enough money to cover the bills, you know, and eventually after six years, you get lucky. So I said, yeah, I was lucky after six years of making nothing you know, going close to, I got some months, I would have like 5,000 in the saving. I mean, I, we were about to close and go out of business so many times. And uh, what helped us is just uh, resilience. You know, even the franchise told us, if you guys want to close your restaurants, we will not penalize you. I mean, they were like, you, uh, that was my extra strategy. I could have like, just, just close it, walk away and leave. And I close the contract with the franchise or the landlord and stay home and figure another business. But I don't know, it's just that mental toughness, resilience, having a callous and like, I don't want to quit. I mean, if I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave on my own terms, not because COVID or the franchise said, like, I'm going to leave when I want to leave. You know? well, a lot of hurdles. Good job on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was it pretty much. Well, not to mention the big picture, of course, we already talked about too, being able to sell that thing for hopefully more than you paid for it at some point, right? I don't think it's gonna happen. I'll be honest, man. Uh, I thought so. I thought so. Uh, I overpaid significantly. I guess, as I say, I overpaid. I've increased sales, but I put it this way: 
I overpay so much that that even with the increase in sales that I have today, I'm barely the business is probably worth what I pay, you know, maybe less. It's like I, I, I literally pay double than what it was worth. So I had to increase the sales so much so that it can be worth almost what I pay. That was like a a big, it was a big expensive MBA, but I mean, I, I own it. <laughs> it wasn't the SBA. Uh, it wasn't the, I, I tried to sue the seller. I'm like, no, don't sue. I mean, that was me. I, 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 I own it. That was my mistake. And I learned a lot from it, but yeah. Good, good thing. Good thing you own it. Um, now, just out of curiosity, uh, just from my own knowledge, what, what are, what's the cap rate that restaurants are trading for in, in Houston right now? So this one, maybe it would be about, it could be two to three times. Depending on the cash flow, see if you're a business, a restaurant making over a million dollars, uh, you could sell about maybe four times the cash flow, a little higher. You know, if it's a franchise, probably four or five times the cash flow. Uh, when you are under half a million, you're probably maybe two to three times uh, the cash flow. The thing is, the thing is that demand for I don't know, maybe and I, I could be wrong. Maybe your your industry is different, or you 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 guys do something like that, but with the online businesses, the demand for brick and mortar is, has been decaying a lot because you're competing with, why do not want to commit to a restaurant to work long, hour, long hours and make 10, 15, 20% profit when I can just buy a content site and, and keep 80, 90% of the sales, you know, working from anywhere in the world at any time. And, and so it's like, now you have, when I bought it, this option was not up there, you know, I'm married, but it, I, and I was not familiar like about seven years ago, but now you're dividing the attention. So some, someone, and then another thing is who's the buyer nowadays, people, maybe our age, people in their thirties, you know, so usually most, I'm not saying anything, but most restaurant owners, they're like late forties, fifties, you know, or international, you know, coming from, because that's another thing, people build restaurants to offer visas there's a way you can get an international visa if you're from mexico india whatever is you can get a i think it's called e2 commercial visa so that's a business model on itself you can build restaurants that generate x amount of profit uh, employees cash flow and then you sell them specifically to that target niche but anyways uh yeah so that's that's the the coverage you know through three times the cash flow but the demand is vindicating all because now the attention the money is dividing now into if i mean you're 30 years old, 35 years old. Where, where do you want to go? Maybe a restaurant? I and mean, you're passionate about it uh, or online businesses. So it depends. I mean, it depends. So. Sure. Well, Rado, I'd love to sit and talk all afternoon. Unfortunately, we actually are a little over our time today, but uh, we're grateful for the conversation. If somebody who heard, you know, I guess resonated with you and wanted to talk to you, is there a way they can reach out to you? Definitely. So uh, I have all of my social media under the same, the same, uh, 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 tag, I guess, but it, it's in most of my social media is in Spanish, but obviously, if you feel rich in English, uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's El Hera, so E L Hera G E R A Vargas V A R G A S, so El Hera Vargas. And you can find me, um, I have a channel on TikTok about entrepreneurship. I got like 140,000 followers again, it's, it's in Spanish, uh. But in TikTok and Instagram and LinkedIn and uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook, it's E-L-G-E-R-A, V as Victor, A-R-G-S, El Hera Vargas. And that's my email too. Uh, you can be uh, Hera at 
elgerardovargas.com. So anyone, and in, or, or even in LinkedIn, you know, Gerardo Vargas, that's how they can uh, find me out any any of those places. Yeah, I usually answer on, on Instagram pretty fast. Perfect. Well, we'll link up in the show notes. Uh, before we let you go, I'm going to turn it over to Justin for the Wealth Watchers Brain Pick. Justin, take it away. All right, five quick questions for you. First one, what is your superpower or unique natural ability? Endurance. Endurance. That would help in those Ironmans. <laughs> those Ironmans, just endurance, man. Just, just enjoy the pain. Like, you know, I, uh, I don't digress, but I, I build a, a system in my, in my shower. So I, I get this cold shower system that gives me consistent, like 35 degree cold water for about a minute. So every morning, just get up and just, just endure and just enjoy the pain. Walk towards the pain. Endurance. Yeah, but if that's in Celsius, that's okay for me. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah. If you were to go back uh, three to five years, and this is maybe kind of already answered, but uh, what would, what might you have done differently that you wish you could have done? Focus on personal development. You know, I wouldn't change. I would have not changed anything of the mistakes that I've done in the business because all of those mistakes taught something. Lots of mistakes, lots of learnings. But something that I could have done differently, it's work on, on personal development, which people might think that's just, I don't know, you don't need it and everything, but I've gone to Tony Robbins, uh, all the courses, so in different, different type of uh, training and like, the, try the meditation, the exercising. So yeah, so work on the side as you're working on your businesses, don't disregard I'm sorry, your, your health, your family, your, just have time. Uh, to work out, to read, to listen to a podcast. I mean, what is it like, uh, uh, Steve, I forget the, um, the, the seven habits of highly effective people, like sharpen the saw, sharpen the saw, always, always. Stephen Covey. So what, exactly. So what I've done, would have done differently is for keep, I'm doing it right now, but focus more on that. Even if it doesn't look like you're adding money to your wallet, to your bank account, even if it looks irrelevant, even if it's wasting time, quote unquote, wasting time, do it. Personal development, health, eating, exercising, all those things. Just keep it, keep it going. Excellent advice. And so where are you headed in the next three to five years? Online, man. You'll see me one day. Hopefully I, I got startups, by the way. I told you guys before the podcast, but uh, I, I've gone to Shark Tank. Uh, I got invited in a startup that I'm working on. So it didn't work. I'm working on something else. So I have a few startups that I'm working on. Uh, first. I got to make consistent money for my family to help them out. And then when I get that taken care of, my, I want to work on my startups. So anyways, I'm, I'm trying a lot of mud on the wall until one sticks. You know, like I said, I've got a cold water system that I'm working on. Um, I have a, a sell stack, sell stacks app for international visitors that I'm working on. Something's going to work one day, hopefully. Uh, but in the meantime, online businesses, online businesses and startups. Excellent. Well, good luck. Thank you. What is your favorite book on business or money? I always say uh, Extreme Ownership from Jocko Willink, the Navy SEAL. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's how I got it. You know, everyone gets something different from a book. But when you become on, you own 100% of what happens to you, you're no longer, you're no longer a slave of life. You know, like if, if any, even if someone hits you on the street and you're in a light and you're like, that's, I mean, yeah, in court, is that person's fault? But you decided to wake up the day, get a car, and be in that traffic light a dead day. You, you own it, right? When you own 100% of what happens to you, right? It's like you become in control. I mean, not in control, but nothing can hurt you. You're invincible. I think you're invincible. It's like, 
oh, that thing broke in my restaurant. This employee didn't show up. Oh, man, damn employee. I, like, hey, I hired the employee. I train him. I own Like, he doesn't show up. That's okay. I'll hire someone else. But that was my mistake. I own it. He's not going to hurt me, harm me, you know? Oh, my daughter didn't sleep last night. Oh, man, pissed off my daughter because she didn't let me sleep. And we think, no, no, no. I decided to have daughters. She decided to be here. So I Excellent. own the lack of sleep. I own this. That was my mistake. That was everything. I own it. And I figured out how to fix it. That way, because when you own it, you find a way to fix it. But when it's someone else's fault, you don't need to change. You don't need to change because it's the government's fault. It's your mom's fault. It's your brother's fault. It's your wife's fault. Why do you need to change if it's not your fault? You're right. You're perfect. But when it's always not your fault, but you own 100% of it, okay, what can I do to do it differently? What can I do? What can I do to change? What can I do to change? And you're constantly on this never-ending change mentality to get better every time. Well, I appreciate you mentioning that mindset. Uh, fully support that as well. So, have you read the book? Uh, yep, read the book, and uh, he's got some great books for kids too. I think it's the Warrior Kid. The Warrior Kid, uh, like one, two, three, and four. Yep, I read those to the kids. Um, definitely good stuff. Yeah. Uh, last one. What has been your biggest aha moment? That um, that I can't control anything. Yeah, I can't control the employees. I can't control the weather. I can't control the the oven breaking. I can't control the customer getting pissed off because we put tomato on a sandwich. <laughs> and I can't control uh, kids and sick. You know, and they yelling at you, and you made their life miserable because you put a tomato. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So just, just, just letting letting go of control, and, and just like, hey, I, I can. What is, it, what is it like? I cannot control what happens to me. Like I can't control how I respond to it. So if I'm always in control how, how to respond to it, like, hey, you kind of let so much freedom that I came in. I don't need to control it. I don't need to know what's going to happen. I just need to work on it, work hard, and, and respond in a different way. Yeah, great. All right, Gerardo, appreciate you being on today. Uh, some great information there, uh, great mindsets. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you guys, and uh, keep up the good work. Well, thank, thank you. And I just want to highlight too, obviously, you know, Extreme Ownership, one of my favorite books. Appreciate you mentioning that. You know, that's, uh, that, that's a favorite of mine. Probably when I got to go back and reread again, it's just, it's, you know, keeps you, it keeps you out of that victim mentality. So nice, nice mention there. Exactly. Another one is like, can't hurt me. Have you read that one? Oh my gosh. From uh, Navy, David Goggins. Absolutely. I was going to say that one, but that one is a bit newer than Extreme Ownership. But can't hurt me, man. That's a beast as well. If you like those mindset and it's like, man, an Ironman that I don't is nothing compared to that guy. That guy's crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we could talk books all day on that. You're, you're definitely reading the same stuff I am. So, Gerardo, thank you so much for coming on today. Really grateful for your time. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. This is the another episode of the Wealth Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy, from my co-host, Justin Hoggett, and I thank you for stopping by. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This has been the Wealth Watchers Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Join us on Facebook where our members and guests are actively engaging in discussions on wealth growing strategies by searching for Wealth Watchers Community on Facebook. 